Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 27. I'm Michael John Simpson. Our guest this week is English actor, writer, regular on BBC America's The Brit List, and creator of the popular web-slash-TV series Goodnight Burbank. It's Hayden Black. Hayden and I met at Gallifrey One in February and sat down the following weekend. He gave me a preview listen to his upcoming animated web series Gen Z, and we discussed Conflu, Gallifrey One, Gen Z, trans people in media, the progress of genre media and fandom, podcasting, Doctor Who, Goodnight Burbank, stand-up comedy, Blake Seven, living in haunted houses, Los Angeles wildlife, and making your creative dreams happen. Oi, darling! It's episode 26 of the Something Something Experience. Ah, uh, well, you know, working uh, my nine to five. Actually, I wound up calling in sick on uh, Tuesday just because Monday wound up being a, a big hassle with kind of a little impromptu doctor visit for my wife. She just wanted to go get something. I need to go see a doctor right away. I'm wind up in the not. So Monday we're supposed to have off because the president's day. It just didn't happen. So I'm just like, I can't cope with going back to work yet. So I called in sick on Tuesday and. Actually, my boss uh, played me a recording of me calling in sick last, the Tuesday after last year's galley and saying, <laughs> oh, you said you had con flu last year. I'm like, well, shit happens. So, you know. Well, it is going around. I have a friend studying right now and she she came down with something. And then Adam, who I was hanging out with last week um, at the con, he started to come down with something. So it does go around. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so how was your how was your galley? Did you have a good time? I had a great. It was my first time. I had a great time. Excellent. I did a lot of networking. Nice. Uh, I do know that like I've done this before. You do a ton of networking, and then like one percent of it goes anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. Um, but there's there were a couple of like things I really wanted to follow up on. One was someone wants to make an introduction to um, to BBC Three for me for Gen Z. And I really want that was Richard Dinnick, and I really hope he comes through with that. Cool, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to get a, a podcast in with Paul Cornell, but he kept he was so busy, you know, he doing panels and teas and or uh, the coffee clatch and all that. Mm-hmm. So uh, he said, "Well, hit me up on my website, and we'll we'll do a Skype." I'm like, "Okay." So I, I haven't hit him up, hit him up yet, but I don't want to I don't want to nag him or anything. But you know, I'm still in the, the the podcast is still kind of in its fledgling stages. But I, I kind of hit a couple goals with the podcast at Galley this weekend. In that I was um, uh, recorded with uh, <laughs> recorded you get on the podcast. <laughs> the doggy sniffing the, bike, the microphone. Um, I did. I recorded two podcasts with people I didn't know personally, and that was one. My goal was to get at least more than one podcast recorded, and the other goal was to get somebody I'd never met before on or didn't know personally on, and that happened twice. So I got Stephen Shabansky from uh, from uh, Radio Free Scaro on. And Sam Stone, and, oh, very uh, cool. and now you're the third that Yay. I didn't know previously. So this is good. Are you recording anything? Are you recording? Oh anything? yeah, I was recording that. Yeah. So. Oh, oh. I just kind of just start and let it kind of naturally start or whatever. Oh no, I was going to play. If you turn all that off, I'll play. Oh sure, sure. Yeah, we'll pause again. And now the uh, the animator is uh, is working on the animation. Cool. Oh, uh, the designs first. Cool. So. So Gen Z, that's cool. Yeah, I, it sounds really good. Um, yeah, I like that. Well, you it's, laughed, and that was. I good. laughed. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Because think about it. It's a think about it. It's a pilot. Mm-hmm. It's five minutes of the pilot. Yeah. 
you don't know anybody yet. No. This is a great intro, and though. And yet you laughed. And, and even though I can't see the animation, is it going to be Flash or something else? Or No, I no idea yet. So I, I, even though I couldn't see the, the, the uh, animation at all, but I was seeing it in my head. I was seeing you know, the little swish and transitions and, and edits and stuff. And, and hopefully, and hopefully, maybe, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but maybe you're starting to care for at least oh totally if nothing else oh totally yeah I'm I'm actually starting to have I started I in that very brief like nine minutes I started to have or five minutes I had a brief affinity with those characters there's things about each one of them that I, I with which I identify definitely without question cool so so but yeah I mean it, so not bad for a short intro not at all so the idea being then that you'll want to watch more yeah of and there's only going to be six more so of it's course. not you know yeah yeah. I think, you know, so we'll see. So what's your time frame on... on November. November, to getting He's, all the animation done? We, we had the... We, we, I've never done animation like this before. Mm-hmm. And so in October, I, I uh, talked to a woman about coming on board to animate it. And she said yes, made all these lovely promises, sent me some very rough sketches, which I thought were okay. Um, but it's not like I had any choice in the matter, but I was like, great, cool. Uh and then, sadly, she just couldn't deliver anything else. I kept saying, "Was the animation? Let me just see five seconds of animation, ten seconds of animation. Let me just see what it looks like." And nothing. And then I kept. And then it was. Uh, and so then it was. Well, first it was. I know. I know you want to see the stuff, right? Yes, I want to see the stuff. And then it became. Well, I'm busy, and I'm get, I'm on paid gigs, and I'm like, okay. Um, you know, we agreed to a back end on this. Right. So if you don't want to do it, I have no problem with that. Just say now. Just, yeah. Just but, tell me. But now we're pulling out because I can't waste right, any right, time. Right, right. Uh, like I appreciate the fact that you said yes to begin with. It lit a fire under my ass to rewrite this to make it what you've. So heard. you re- wrote all the work, uh, all oh, the dialogue, I wrote, I wrote everything. everything. Yeah. It's it's great. It's really yeah. good. And and I'm, I'm even in the short intro. Another thing. I'm picking up really distinct identities. So that you're, you've got a good you've got good voices for everybody. Thank you. I think it's cast really well. I think the the actors are incredibly talented and get more talented. Like because we've we've got one more to add, but she doesn't come in until episode three. Um, the uh, the thing that I I like about it in the sense that it's the most it's the most subtle thing in the world is so yes, our big claim to fame with this is it's the first ever animated comedy in the world to feature a transgender actress yeah. in a lead role. Yeah. But here's what it does on a subtextual uh, subconscious level, because she's telling the story. Because she's our way in. Just like you watch any show mm-hmm. whose lead character talks to you and brings you in. You're going to relate to them first and, and, and stronger anyway. Right. Because they're talking to you. Right. Whereas all the other characters in this thing right, right now, right now, are oh, characters over there. Right. They're not talking to you. They're not acknowledging you. They're not doing anything. They're talking to the lead and the lead's telling the story to you. Right. And so, and so without you thinking, without you realizing... You are relating to that trans character immediately. Oh, yes, yeah, definitely, level. definitely. You know, um, and so, so think about how. And this was it was unintended, mm-hmm. but it was only after we heard it. I heard it back. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, look what we got here. It was like, here is, you know, it's not only are we creating a, a trans character that will be a role model to young trans men and women. Sure, but to joke you public. Suddenly, we're talking to a trans girl for the first time in our lives. Fantastic, yeah. And we're seeing that oh, she's just normal human being right. like anybody else's, right? You know, she's and not one of the characters in the show that happens to be trans. She's our person. She's our right. friend. She's the one leading us through this. 
Yeah. So I think that that and it's a, so it's very you don't it's not state it's not stated it just happens. Well, so I like that. The thing that I that I you know really embraced uh, in the last I don't know probably twenty years or so for myself is is realizing that Joe Q Public has this notion of oh now all of a sudden there's all these gay and, and trans people running around wanting some kind of special extra attention no they want to they, they we, want we want to get to the point where no matter who you are you're just treated like everybody else exactly like hate whatever you know go to work get up get dressed go to work and you know have a relationship you know deal with medical issues deal with work right. deal with if traffic you're going to dislike this and person do it because they're an asshole right not because deal with people gay, on an individual level yeah yeah and or this religion or that religion right. just do it because they're an asshole and one of the things that I that I had a conversation I think you we, you and I touched on it briefly when we were at Galley but the a conversation I had several times with several people at galley with people who are of different walks of life in that regard the fact that fandom is changing has changed because of doctor who that that star trek planted the seeds of incorporating people who weren't just white straight people Mm -hmm. into entertainment and and into sci-fi you know genre entertainment right 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 they they planted the seeds they had the first black and black and white kiss on TV on American TV they had a Russian and, a, and an Asian person and a black woman and and blah 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 and women were on the show it featured uh, heavily as well and so they planted the seeds but fandom didn't change along with that Star Trek fandom in the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s was still just white dudes and then in the early 2000s when, when Russell Davis... Well, Star Trek Next Generation started bringing more, even more stuff in of having uh, same-sex couples um, and even some genderless or, or transgendered characters, alien characters from other places, and, and they dealt with those certain types of issues and same-sex issues on that show. But again, fandom didn't really change. But then Russell Davis started in, in 2005 when he brought back Doctor Who. Then we see... Uh, Captain Jack, and you mm-hmm. see uh, other characters, and you see um, people, and 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 British television tends to be more colorblind than American television does, and that started disseminating through, and along with that, some of the fandom started changing, and then with the Matt Smith era of Doctor Who, young young teenage girl fandom in America came swooping into this place that was largely dudes, and then uh, people of different colors started coming in. People of different genders, people who were trans people. All of that started coming in. Because the teenage girls of today don't care if somebody's gay, straight, black, white, whatever. The, the p- Kids today are, are blind to all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Unless they've got really hardcore parents and they subscribe to all their old bullshit, they don't care about stuff like that as much as older other generations did. And with that came in this big wave of of femme doctors and transgender characters and male roses and you know male Marthas and and female Jacks and then also women dressing up as male Jacks and so you got the trans transgender thing and uh, the crossover and and it's all just anything goes now that I've seen a black rose and I've seen a white Martha and I've seen an Asian Martha and I've seen an Asian doctor and I've seen you know and everything is there was a black guy who stood up at the gender yeah, one and yeah. said. What would you rather see first, a black doctor or a female doctor? And there was a beat, and I went, 
Why not both at the same time, man? Bam. <laughs> you know, Bam. Like, There's a guy who's been going to Galley for several years, and he's been dressing up as nine. He's a black black, black fella, and he dresses up as nine. Then, and he's I, a great nine. I he's got the this, purple V-neck shirt. With, and, I would agree with everything you've said. I would, I would say, in addition to that, you've had other um, um, pop culture things like Will and Grace. Sure. A bunch of sure. ten years or so of that. Sure. I think that more than anything accelerated the the gay marriage uh, sure. uh, approval sure. thing because sure. people got to see gay people were normal. Right. Uh, so there were other things. Modern Family it. has a gay couple. You know, yeah. you know, so all this stuff that's added starting into to come it. as well. And I it's was, good timing. We were, I was talking last night to uh, Adam's girlfriend. We were, all went out for dinner, the four of us, and um, um, I was saying to her, so when I was a teenager, there were there were no. When I was a kid and a teenager, there were no girls interested in sci-fi. It was like me and my dude friends. That yeah. was it. Yeah. And now that's all changed. Um, but now we're at a point where, where there's so much female fandom. There were more women at Galley than men this year, without question. Oh, was that first? Without question. I mean, I don't know actual stats and figures, but I, I was working in that battle. I mean, hall. was that first? Was that? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't before? notice last year. I, I mean, it looked maybe even more even last year. I mean, it definitely looked overwhelmingly female. But this female. year, it looked overwhelmingly female. There, were, I would say, was probably, I, and I don't know figures, but just from being in, in, in front of hall, mm-hmm. in front of uh, room D, programming room D, all weekend, and seeing that back hall full of people, and the people lined up for photos with Barrowman and blah, 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 I would say probably 60, 40 female ma- ma- to male. And I think it's, I think it's great. And it's, uh, so I think that the writing for these shows... Is slowly is changing slower than the fandom is changing. Mm-hmm. So now that we've now got a healthy condition of females, right. we're going to see it affect the show. I hope so, but it, slowly. Right. Yes, it was more open-minded than most when it started, right. but again, it's like at the end of the day, they're all. I mean, like I'm sure that Moffat isn't going out of his way not to hire female writers. No, I'm sure that the pool of writers he's looking at a English b of whose agents have submitted right now and you know people will talk to is probably insanely small sure um, Sam Stone said she wanted to write a Doctor Who episode I, I told her I said write a spec script and shit you know send it into Moffat I do we, when we talked on, a, on the mini episode we definitely touched on the fact that she I mean her, her, new, her new series Jinx Chronicles there's a female lead in the, in the whole series and she's been putting in people of color and people who are um, you know, and actually, everything she she even said she might have put some trans people in as well. Yeah, Jen Zed's got African American, Asian American. That's the fourth roommate. Trans, the 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 white guy who's like the punk lunatic. Right. Um, they have a um, Hispanic landlord. Nice. Um, and what other? The, that's the main cast. Yeah. So the main cast yeah. is. Uh, oh well, then ta- well, Taylor's Caucasian who works in the video games. Yeah. Well. Um, but that's the main cast, yeah. so it's it's fairly well rounded. Sure, fairly well rounded. I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I was really happy to see the the teaser trailer for Star Wars Episode Seven. The two leads are a woman and a black man. Right, as it should be. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So tell me about the podcast. Tell me what 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 is it? What do you do? And what do you um, talk about? And all that kind of this, stuff. This uh, we started in September. My friend, a uh, friend I work with, Ash Jones, and I uh, work together uh, at a mortgage. We're IT guys at a mortgage finance company. So mm-hmm. yawn. Um, but we kept getting. We're both nerds, and we kept getting into these really, really big, long, drawn out, uh, real deep, passionate conversations about 
just everything. I mean, but mostly centered around media culture. We both like movies a lot. We both like music a lot. We both have a lot of the same tastes. We both like a lot of TV shows. I got I got him to start watching Doctor Who. He got me to. He's gotten me to actually go see a few movies that I wouldn't have otherwise seen. And we just got into these big long conversations. And we're standing out in the hallway, just talk. We would get up over Mark's desk and go walk out in the hallway and just stand around and watch people go by and just have these great conversations. We're having a, a conversation about the golden age of cinema in, 19, in the 19, late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. and about how basically the American cinema industry uh, adapted the, adopted the uh, uh, French concept of cinema verite, where in the 60s, you know, up, and th- up through the 60s, everybody in the movies talking like this, hey, what are you doing, Bob? How's it going? You know? and, then, and then, boom, suddenly you got people using street languages and, a- and people with thick accents and people, you know, different things, you know, a French connection, you know, hey, fuck you, you know, and using curse words and being more real, you know, realism, so cinema verite. Naturalism is Yeah, yeah, naturalism, cinema verite, that whole thing of, of real, capturing real life, you're writing stories that, that capture real life. And I use the word verisimilitude in a sentence talking about this and a guy just stopped and paused and turned around and he's like did I just hear the word verisimilitude in the hallway at a mortgage finance company at work and he, we just started talking to this guy and we got launched into a 10 minute conversation and he's a movie buff and he's you know, talking about how he watches movies on A&E and this and that and we going on and on and on and when he we said great thanks good talking to you when he walked away I looked at my friend and said we should start a podcast so I got this microphone and I got uh, a little adapter for my iPad, downloaded a $10 piece of software, and we were off and running. Started a blog, put up, a, got a SoundCloud account, just put everything up, and just started doing it. Because I listen to a lot of podcasts, as I always say on the podcast. But everything that everybody, that, that Nerdist, and Greg Proops, and, and Kamal, and, 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 and Emily, and, and everybody I listen to says, do your thing. Be, be a little bit less of a consumer and a little bit more of a producer. Just make your own thing. Put your own voice out into the world. And don't worry about being like anybody. Uh, talking about the same things that other people talk to. Don't worry about that because just by virtue of the fact that it's you, it'll be unique. Talk about your passions. Do your thing. Be mm-hmm. passionate. Mm-hmm. And let that go. And that's what we did. We started this to give voice to our, our passions. Oh, doggies. Doggy, doggy. It's okay, Sophie. It's okay. So, um... <laughs> Okay. We uh, we just started and we've been going and people like it and I mean the listenership goes up a little bit by so little is it bit. predominantly about Doctor Who? No, it's really centers around media culture, but we hit on everything and I I wind up talking about Doctor Who every episode because I'm I've been watching Doctor Who since 1977, so you know we I, Denver was like the third or fourth city in America to get Tom Baker episodes through Lion Lionheart TV. Back in the seventies, in the late seventies, so uh, I think it was like Dallas, Washington D.C., somebody else, and then uh, and then Denver, and I just kind of discovered it on Sundays on public television. I started watching uh, all the Doctor Who episodes. Or the, the how old were you? Seven, seven, eight years old, mm-hmm. um, and uh, just all the Tom Baker from the first from Robot on was just kind of on repeat all year. They would show right. they would basically what they what they eventually wound up doing was. They would take the four parts of a, of a Tom Baker episode and take out the the, the credit sequences right, in, in between, yeah. slap it together, and they called them Hoovies. And so you'd <laughs> watch the full two hours. It was about an hour and 45 minutes because you got all those credit sequences taken out. And you'd watch the whole thing all the way through. So the cliffhangers were all taken out. It's and sometimes whether it was a four-part or a six-part, because, um, you know, like uh, Deadly Assassin, I think, was six parts and a couple other ones. And then... About 
79, 80, and actually 1980, that we started getting to be, they started giving us the new final season of Baker, Mm -hmm. um, and catching us up, and we finally got to the point where we were about a month behind BBC, and then we got to see Legopolis, or we got to see Keeper Truck and Legopolis, and then, and then, um... We saw the, the 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 regeneration. That was my first regeneration. Was Baker to Baker to Davison, and then at the end of summer, when they started playing the new episodes, about a month behind BBC. Of course, we're all you know members of the Doctor Who fan club, and we had the newsletters, and we were reading about stuff, and we had never seen a Hartnell or a Troughton or a Pertwee, and but we were reading books. Those uh, books by um, well, who wrote them? There are all those big coffee table books about the Doctor Who, the early oh, Peter years. Haining. Peter Haining, yeah, that's who I was exactly who I was thinking of. Haining and uh, you know Graham Burke, I think, and a couple other people. They were all writing yeah, them. All over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, I got all those too. Yeah, all those old books. Oh yeah, there you go. Doctor Who Celebration. Peter Haining. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I got all the paperbacks are in the back. Yeah, of and I got the, yeah, I've got some of the hardcovers too. Um, and so we were reading uh, up on that stuff, and um, I remember one time the the Doctor Who newsletter. Did a showed like a little film strip of each of the Doctor Who logos from the different Doctors, and they're like, "Wow!" Because when the Peter Davison uh, era came out, um, the you know the neon logo with the stars and the and the all the little rainbows and stuff, and and the kind of the kind of kind of uh, 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 what do you call it the the vertical blinds or the blinds kind of thing yeah, with yeah, the yeah. shift, you know, and, and the animation of that. And so that was that was all brand new for us because we'd seen all the Tom Baker stuff on repeat. So this is all new, and Peter Davison was my first new Doctor. So I was real affinity for him. It was really sad he only lasted like two and a half years, and then at thirteen year old me just couldn't get couldn't jive with Colin Baker because mm-hmm. I hadn't watched Hartnell. I didn't know the crouchy grouchy Doctor. I didn't know the Doctor who kind of put the assistant in his in their place kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't about that, and I, I kind of drifted away and kind of came back during the very tail end of uh, Sylvester McCoy, and then it was gone. And then um, saw a few things on repeat later. Another public TV station in Denver started playing Pertwee and Hartnell and mm-hmm. some of those those things. And... Um, so I kind of got back in, but then and then the movie came out. I was very happy about that and '96, and then and then um, loved that. Watched that to death over and over and over again, and kind of got back. And then and then I was late to the game on the reboot, so I didn't start watching until about 2006 or seven, mm-hmm. maybe 2007, and c- caught up with the first two series. And then uh, right before series three was going to start, watched everything on Netflix, and um, so yeah. Like I said, I wind up talking about Doctor Who every podcast. But, cool. Uh, well, I look forward to this. Yeah. I look forward to this. What, uh, so what's, uh, obviously you're not from America, you're... Uh, I'm from Manchester. Oh, Salford. Manchester, okay. Salford, right. Manchester. Salford, okay. Yeah. And that's... Uh, South. But I've lived uh, northwest of England. I've lived uh, in Florida. I, I moved, excuse me, lived in America for a number of years. I, I moved to Florida first as a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I had, to, I had to deal with the same... Uh, Watching uh, Davison, etc., through PBS, okay, yeah, it yeah, the same way. Mm-hmm. And I liked, I liked Colin Baker at the time, and then I've, I've since gone. You know, years later, I've revisited it, and he just, it just seems so scenery chewing. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the way that they wrote him, they wrote him very self-important, very. 
I like Tennant's relaxed style, because yes, he's obviously the smartest person in the room, but he'll just come in, kind of walk in with his hands in his big long coat pockets and just kind of swagger in and take out his, his clever looking glasses and put them on and say, yeah, I'm the doctor, what can I do? But Colin Baker was just like, I'm the doctor, you're going to listen to what I say. And it's like. Yeah, it was all undermined by that outfit. Yeah, and the, uh, the outfit. The outfit. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to take any of that, those three years, remotely seriously yeah. because of that. Yeah. Well, Colin always says at conventions that he wanted to do more of uh, what Nine was. He wanted to do the Chris Eccleston with the leather jacket and be oh. a bit of a badass, and they didn't let him do it. No, it didn't happen, did nope, it? No, nope. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't get that. So, and then even McCoy, I, I started dropping off in the last couple of years of McCoy in that I, I found the episodes were... I, well, my problem with the 80s in general was it was so overlit. Mm-hmm. If you have a budget of Tuppence Hapney, mm-hmm. you don't want to show everybody it's a budget of Tuppence Hapney. Don't turn the lights on. And wow, did they turn the lights on. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then... Um, they shot a lot outside in the, the sun. And, and then, well, even inside, there's neon lights everywhere. And then I think by the time McCoy was... I don't know, I just didn't... I, there were some episodes where to this day I, I haven't even... And I consider myself... I've watched the show from, you know, as a kid... I still haven't seen a couple of uh, Davis uh, uh, McCoy episodes all the way through, like Happiness Patrol, and oh, yeah. Ghostlight, yeah. and Battlefield. Yeah. Um, they were riddled with with music that sounded dated the moment it was recorded, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bright lights, mm-hmm. and stories that just were impenetrable. I don't know if if some of the logic had been cut out in the edit room. Um, but we were left with shows often that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was actually glad when it was was cancelled mm. um, because it was um, it was a, it was a it was a, a shadow of its former self. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I went back to England for a holiday in '87, and so we hadn't got this the the latest McCoy episodes yet. So right. I saw I think it was the second episode. Whatever, or first, I don't know, Delta and the Bannerman. Yeah, yeah. And I was just looking at this and I'm thinking, what has this show descended into? What has it become? And my family uh, were all like, oh, it's Hayden, the Doctor Who fan. And I was like, um, not if that's what it's going to be. About. Not anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the, see, the, the, I think the, it already had started that dip during Baker because I will go back and I mean, Trial of a Time Lord had some interesting moments, but I was never a fan of Mel. I always found Mel to be very, very brash and loud and screamy, and I don't like my companions brash and loud and screamy. I want them to have a little bit on the ball. Well, this is why I think the show became a parody of itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it took the, the the moments that that this, some of the more stereotypical moments and just stripped it of everything else. Right, and it became what it was, which was a joke. But of course, nowadays, completely different. Completely different. So, uh, obviously, you like the reboot, and you like where Doctor Who has gone. Um, I, I, for the most part, I, mean, I felt that the the Matt Smith years, a lot of the paradoxes and things didn't make a lot of sense. But some of the Matt Smith, I kind of get what Matt Smith was trying to do, trying to be kind of a young, like, old man trapped in a young man's body, trying to be, like, trout mm-hmm. and kind of clownish and bouncy and kind of scatterbrain here and there, kind of the scarecrow thing. But a lot of the science seemed a bit too magic-y uh, at times and wasn't... Because the thing about Doctor Who that my friend Eric, who runs the video room at Galley, always says is Doctor Who was originally intended for intelligent 12-year-olds. Mm-hmm. 
And there have been many times during the Matt Smith era that it was a little too magical. A little too much magic was happening, not enough science. Where usually something magical would happen, but it would be explained by a scientific phenomena. Even if it was a science fictional phenomena, there would be some form of something behind it. And a lot of times it's just like, well, this happened. A large, a large part of it for me is I was so happy when, when Moffat took over in, in the sense that you know, he'd done some of the greatest single episodes. Yeah. Uh, not that I wanted to see RTD go. I'm just saying I'm so happy that when he did go, that Moffat took over. However, um, I found the my my main issue with with him, I suppose, with, with his writing on the show is uh, uh, like he's going to care is that um, <laughs> he moves the the pace moves like a bullet, which is fantastic. It just boom. Yeah, it just drags you, you through and it. When yeah. you get. You, yeah, and when you get to the end of it, and you think about it, you realize, oh, some very key things made absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever. Yes. And now I've lost respect for it a little. Yeah, you know, like uh, that's just not cool. So um, I think elements of that is, you know, when you're moving so quickly, certain key points might get lost because you're moving so quickly. So I find that the the, the I'm not going to call it the Matt Smith years. I'm going to call it the the Moffat years. You kind of have to. You kind of have to go back and, and watch again. Yeah, yeah. And I'm getting more out of it the second it's time. It's designed through. to 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 play that way, and when you design something to to play that way, what you're saying is 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 this is going to be very very sci-fi, you know, timey wimey bloody blee, and we are going to demand two hours of your attention, not the one. Because you're going to have to watch it. You have to watch in it order twice. to really pick up yeah. all the stuff that's And I dropped. think that is is a little self indulgent, mm-hmm. you know, because what you're saying is, mm-hmm. is 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 there going to be a whole bunch of people who don't want to watch it twice, who would rather watch it once and enjoy it more mm-hmm. once. So you're losing that whole base, mm-hmm. and you're only ultimately keeping the hardcore fans. And I think that you start to get in danger of putting your head up your own ass. If all you really care about the hardcore fans, and the irony, of course, is this show isn't made for the hardcore fan. No, well, now you have new hardcore fans, and that's who you're making the show yes, for. Yes, yes. And and it's just as damaging as making it for the old hardcore right, fans, right, right, um, who are still hardcore fans regardless, anyway. Right. So it's it's. Um, I, I would be really interested to see what a new showrunner would bring to it. I'm. And I think it's it's. I think it's time. It's yeah. I think and I think everybody in fandom thinks it's time. It would have been really nice for him to have left with Matt Smith uh, because, you know, it, he was what he, he did. You know, and, and he can always return and do one-offs, but he did what he did, and that's great. And I'd like to see somebody else do it now. Well, I mean, I agree with you definitely that that Moffat wrote some of probably the best episode of the new, which is Blink. Blink, mm-hmm. I think, is hands down. If you're going to introduce somebody to the show, say, watch this first. Yeah, Girl in the Fireplace. Girl well, in the Fireplace is good. Blink, I wouldn't say watch first because it's not a show about the Doctor. It's, but that's it's, okay. Because, because... It's a great show. Yes, but I think that's, that's a good thing. If you have somebody who's not aware of the concept, and yes, there are people in the world who are not aware of Doctor Who and what it is at all. But that's the nice thing about Doctor Who is it's not serialized, it's episodic, so you can really watch, start with any episode and say, this is what this show is about. But you Blink is such a good story, without being Doctor Who, it's such a good story on its own of just, hey, this thing is happening, and this is, this introduces the, the angels, Sally Sparrow is 
fucking phenomenal. And I know that girl should at least be nominated for an Oscar. Unbelievably good. And she was. And she was, yeah. Um, there was, there was, well, I think Girl in the Fireplace was yeah, great. Yeah, I think that was great too. And then he started cannibalizing his own ideas by the time we got to right. Silence in the Library. I right. Think. With the with the um, the voice that kept repeating, right? What was hey, it? What, hey, what, hey, who turned off the lights? Yeah, which was "Are you my mummy?" Basically, yeah, over yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So he's no, he's he's got. But yeah, he's, Silence in the Library, Force of the Dead, and Silence in the Library are two of my favorite. Those are two my favorite. Those friends. are all great episodes. Everything like, great. Moffat wrote the best episodes. He's going to be. But then, and word has it that he pretty much, you know, just like RTD did rewrote most of the episodes that were commissioned by other writers mm-hmm. uh, very heavily including mm-hmm. apparently Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman's mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Go, um, uh, the doctor's uh, doctor's wife doctor's wife yeah yeah, uh, yeah that, that, that was mostly that's a, that's a lot of other people's favorite too that's probably the favorite well I think probably the favorite of the Matt Smith Years, I think because it looks slightly steampunk, and because Gaiman's name is on it, right? And, goes, oh, name he, on he and, and also the show that episode kind of makes some sort of sense, some sort of at least a little bit more. But but Moffat, I'm sorry, but Moffat cannot write a paradox to save his skin. I mean uh, the, the 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 Pandorica opens and all, it just made no sense oh, whatsoever. Yes. It I made got, no sense I at got, all. I got quite annoyed when you. When your 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 pitches for the for the penultimate episode, here is a prison that is so you know impenetrable. No one's getting in. No one's getting out. How, the TARDIS is blown up. This has happened. That's happened. What's going to happen next? And in the opening five minutes, everything's fine. Yeah. Hey hey hey! It was yeah. like no, really. Wow, that's no, just not. It was not what, not good at all. But the thing that I am finding though is now that Matt Smith is gone, and we yeah, have yeah. we have our lovely avuncular wonderful amazing Peter Capaldi I'm finding the writing's gotten better mm-hmm. Think episodes like Listen to me Listen was I like the doctor thinking I like the doctor writing out big formulas on a chalkboard I like the doctor just kind of popping out in the universe and exploring things well, there, are, there are great big moments there, there are great moments in all of these things and yeah. I enjoy all of that yeah. L- listen was the one with the leg under the, the, the leg by the bed right the, there was a so, problem so with the whole thing with what, the what bothered me with that I'm was I thought, that, I thought that was fine If you, that's fine it was it was the whole idea of if you're going to introduce an idea that the, the idea is so big that it's bothered you your whole 2000 year old life and yet we're only hearing about it for the first time mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's a little harder to buy that mm-hmm. this is a big issue mm-hmm. because it's never been mentioned before. But it's something I think we all think about. I've, ne- I've, uh, yes, I've uh, always thought about you know when I was a kid, it was something under the bed. Um, I think it was a universal thing that he tapped into, and I think that to me kind of. But ultimately, ultimately though. It was a. It's something we've never heard him talk about, and B. Um, we we find out happened to him for real. So it might be universal because it's a universal, uh, f- just random fear of the dark and the unknown. For him, it was based on something real. Um, but again, if 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 you're going to tell me that the, the, a very specific thing has been your fear your whole life, and we only ever hear about it for the first time in an episode where we're dealing with it. You know, like introduce that as a as a as a something that we throw in and get to later. You know, in the season, yeah, maybe as a thread arc yeah. kind of thing. So, but I, that's I what think takes that, away from it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I'm I'm seeing kind of seeing that point for the first time now that you mentioned it. But I also think that we also know the Doctor 
from the whole history of the show. Right. That he's not really big about talking about being scared of things. And sure, he's but he's not... never mentioned that thing specifically. You're right, you're right. You're and right. If, if that thing specifically was such a big deal, it's harder to buy it when it's mentioned for the first time and becomes the subject of the whole episode. He has mentioned those things in the dark before, but not necessarily the thing under the bed. But he has mentioned about horrors in the dark and things like that the, there were it was touched on that and like the Satan was it the Satan pit and and uh you know the whole burn with me and all that thing I mean that, that was or that two episodes which by the way I think they missed a beat uh the burn with me I think you just wanted to get stoned with everybody <laughs> and they took him the wrong way uh, that's what that was mm. But I, I'm, I'm enjoying Capaldi a lot, and oh, I'm probably loving him. I'm loving him. not only because he's Capaldi, but also I like having an, an, an older avuncular doctor, but also they finally gave Clara, Clara something to do. They finally have given her an arc. She's well, not just this magic girl. Well, there girl. you go. The, the, here's another thing. Where did the arc go? Nowhere. It was, it, there wasn't any real payoff. It was just, I mean, again, this is uh, Moffat, so it could pay off next season or the season after. True. But... It's still just stuff for her to do without really saying why or why. But I think part of it did pay off because in that, in the Christmas episode, this whole season she was, series, she was, she was wrestling with the idea, do I stay with the doctor or do I not stay with the doctor? Is this thing good for me? Is this not thing, thing not good for me? And so he's not my boyfriend anymore, so I found a boyfriend and all that. But now he's gone. But, okay, because you made these choices, because you did these things, I can't, in good conscience, come with you anymore and do these things. Go off, fuck off, go away. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, with um, the Christmas episode, uh, that was... um, That wasn't... Or, uh, shit. That wasn't the, uh, the moon episode, too, was it? No, oh, the moon episode. No, 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 no sorry. Oh, so, it was that was with Santa. Yeah, with, Santa. With, uh, right, right, right. So the Santa episode. So, so the fact that these things are happening and and this creature is there and you know sucking away your your hallucinating, hallucinate basically, and blah blah blah. And the doctor figured it out and goes to Clara and get, and and helps her out with it as well telepathically. Blah blah blah. But then she comes to find out that or figure out for herself, and that was kind of her arc in that series of. Yeah, this is really what I want to be doing. So I am going to go travel with the doctor some more, and I'm more well adjusted to it because I can, I can do this thing for what it is without uh, yeah, I hear you. without I just, any other stuff I just think attached that, to I it. I think that the, the 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 dramatic sweeps and moments given to her was so was was too big for ultimately what the ultimate extrapolation was which was do I want to do this or not yeah I think it was given a little too much weight mm-hmm. okay and, and that's and so that's why it was a little well Moffat that is that is very Moffat he does say this person's special or why well they just are or this or that and well to me it took away from it because it was you were expecting more at that point right 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 so it's like if you're going to build your you know it's, it's again it's about building expectations but you know the relationship and that, with now the audience fa- fans are also starting to pick apart the whole Clara has met all the doctors and has interfered with his life all throughout because she walked into his timeline. Mm-hmm. People are starting to pick those little moments apart and stuff. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things where... I don't know. I, I'm forgiving to Doctor Who to a certain degree 
and then I then I kind of stop. But then also, I think also in some respects, I might be a little bit more forgiving than most people. Well, I think she's just walked through all his timelines, right? This is a huge thing. Huge. And so you've got a girl who's now, man, I'm not sure. Like he's not, he doesn't look the same anymore. Well, he didn't look the same when he walked through ten or eleven of his timelines. So why is Capaldi any different? You know, why should you be suddenly questioning things and so on and so forth? I think that for a storyline that big, she needed to be sacrificed at the end of it because it was such a big mm. moment that she mm. walked through his life and has saved him his whole life. And then the fact that it ended and the clouds clear and she's still there and now it's slightly different. You know, that was a slightly different. That relationship. definitely would have given more like, weight eh. to it to have Clara be sacrificed at the end I agree and I think that would have been better but then, story so then you're left with someone who's done all that who's still alive and now wondering whether she, whether or not he's a good man and that. she's had 12 13 generations to spend with him which has, has she's con- been all these hundreds of people conveniently been forgot yeah. because he's decided to go with another storyline right and I think that's dropping the ball yeah, you know, so so. It's, again, it's yeah I agree with you I think sacrificing Clara to Clara but I also think that I don't know. I think maybe Moffat wanted to give Clara... I think a lot of people complained about Clara being a special girl and not really having a three-dimensional aspect to her. Well, it's it's uh, to me, it's li- too late for him to then start adding it once the story's yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I know, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. But I think that... Because what he what he gives it, or the way he tries to give it to her, is done, flies in the face of everything he's just set her up doing. Sure. Spending her life with all these different versions of oh yeah, yeah you know so it's like okay well, if you want, want to add another dimension to it great not that one because that flies against the entire last season and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah uh, yeah Moffat does kind of spend more time on the I will deconstruct everything to the point where we'll be <laughs> both sitting here crying <laughs> you know and I haven't had a person to be able to talk that in depth with about Doctor Who for a very long time Ash likes it to a certain degree but it, he's only very familiar with the last two seasons mm-hmm. so and mostly just uh, series series 8 so um, but I'm looking forward to series 9 it'll be interesting uh, yep, you know, we know too. Missy Always Missy's have. coming back I do like female master I like Missy a lot um, you know it's good um, it, it's it's I don't know. I th- I'm not really happy with the way they killed off Danny Pink, though. But even if that was just a... L- I don't think they killed off any of them. I mean, I, I, I didn't think for a nanosecond they'd killed off uh, Missy when he presses the button. Oh, hell no. I immediately assumed she's, he she's just transported seeing, it to another... that apple, and she's got a vortex manipulator on her wrist. She got out of the last minute. You know the Master. Master never died. Master was burned up at Caves of Androzani, and he still yeah. came back. I mean, come yeah. on. Master never goes away. Uh, no, so I don't think Danny Pink has either. I'm sure we'll see all of them. I'm sure. Well, I mean, we know that there's plan. an ancestor that looks just like Danny Pink down the road, and and you know he talked about his great grandmother. We assume that's Clara. So, you know, I was th- we were th- there were some of us that were thinking toward the last couple episodes of the series before the Christmas episode that that Clara was pregnant already. That that Maybe. that 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 had already happened. Maybe. That had already quote unquote, quote unquote planted the seeds for every all the future stuff with with the pink person no pun intended no pun intended but, but I don't know uh, they, they, he likes to um, I also like that there was another military person in the future whose last name was blue pink blue oh right 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 yeah covering all rainbows <laughs> there'll be an orange next <laughs> it is the new black it is the new black yeah <laughs> so um 
I'm think I'm also one of the things I wanted to go back to about fandom was I'm seeing that Doctor Who fandom the the all embracing nature of Doctor Who fandom is slowly trickling into other fandoms as well, and I like that, and I like the fact that um, you know online especially with the, in the cosplay community that the whole um, I can't remember what it's called it's like Rule sixty nine or Rule something. Rule thirty no no rule thirty four is it? You had to go to sixty nine first. <laughs> One track filthy uh, mind. Yeah, filthy mind. Um, <laughs> it's rule something, but there's a, there's rule thirty four is if it, anything you're into, there's a porn site about it. Then, then there's another rule, which is the maybe it's fifty nine. I don't know. I don't remember what the number is. So I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to correct me, but that basically you can transgender swap anything, anyone, any character, any anything, and that's and that's starting to go into cosplay more. And um, you know, I really, really credit Doctor Who with with opening that, kicking that door open. Well, in a nice way. It's like like Eddie Izzard says, "Kick the doors open. Look, we'll pay for the damage." <laughs> um, so, you know, I like that. So, what else? Uh, I'm not familiar with your work other than uh, uh, Gen Z with that's forthcoming. What else have you done that? Well, I, might I guess have my heard? my big claim to fame was. Uh, well, so in 2006, I started producing, uh, writing, producing, and, and acting in a show called Goodnight Burbank. It was like this five-minute web series, did insanely well, um, got re- like rave reviews from LA Times, USA Today, TV Guide, New York Times, the BBC, so on and so forth. And in 2010... Oh, I did another show called Abigail's Teen Diary. That was hugely popular. That sounds familiar. And I put that aside to, to start working on the Goodnight Burbank half-hour version. Uh, Hulu would come to me in 2010 and said, do you want to do a half-hour version of Burbank? And I was like, oh, how much do you want to pay me? And they went, oh, we're not in the game yet of doing original programming, so we'll give you some promotion and marketing if you're interested. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I've got nothing else to do. So um, I reimagined the five-minute Burbank into a half-hour show. Um, and... Um, we wound up with a with a with a, a brand new cast: Laura Silverman, Dominic Monaghan, oh. John Barrowman, oh nice, uh, Jim Rash, um, Juliet Landau, um, uh, with some of the more famous faces that were in it, uh, and a, re- and a regular cast of uh, not famous people that were just unbelievably talented. Um, and um, we shot that. We shot. I wrote six half hours. Uh, we shot that in my garage after converting it to a green screen studio. And um, the day it went onto Hulu, it became two things. The first half hour show ever made for the web. And uh, Mark Cuban happened to be watching, put a call in and said, I want this for my HDNet, my cable network. So it became the first ever, and I think to date only, half hour show to go from the web to TV. So we had all six half hours on HDNet, which sadly went the way of the wind as did a potential season two for Burbank at the mm. time. Um, so Burbank was the big thing there. I've written I've written uh, for, oh God, what's it called? Um, S- Behind the Sofa, Celebrity Memories of Doctor oh, Who. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wrote for that okay. and was very proud and pleased to see Amazon UK rate it one of their top ten books of 2013, of which I had nothing to do with, but I'll, I'll take it. Um... I'm a regular on uh, BBC America's uh, The Brit List TV series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we did one episode on Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and to my astonishment, I, don't, I, and I didn't know this, I w- would have gone and bought it had I known, 
the big box set that came out a couple of years ago with the like everything in Blu-ray and mm-hmm, the Sonic mm-hmm, screwdriver mm-hmm. remote. Sure, sure. They put it on that, so oh, I'm, I'm officially an extra on a Doctor <laughs> Who DVD. Uh, and I only knew because someone was watching it and like Facebooked me and went, I, I just heard your voice. I'm like, yes, that's me. Um, somebody I didn't know. Um, so did that. Um, I did, gosh, what else have I done? I did a pilot. Well, it didn't go anywhere. It was a pilot for uh, a sci-fi musical comedy starring uh, co-starring Nichelle Nichols a horror from right. Star Trek was okay. in was in my garage dancing fantastic because it was a musical comedy nice um, and then that's all that's coming to mind and then I tweet a lot I tweet constantly uh, jokes some of which sometimes are even funny <laughs> and they've been reprinted I'm starting to do that as well <laughs> it's, it's a fun thing and then they've re- they've been reprinted on the front page of the New York Times Online nice. Hollywood Reporter um, Time Magazine CNN Atlantic Magazine so on and so forth um so I, I I just write silly jokes all day. Yeah. On on the Twitter account. I've I've started doing that. I this is I've I've been interested in stand up ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, started listening to you know Bill Cosby and and uh, um, Steve Martin and other things. <laughs> I don't remember much after listening to Bill Cosby. <laughs> no, I don't either. I, I just woke up the next morning, fuzzy, and woke up the next morning. Yeah, um, the pain. <laughs> um, but I, I I had whole albums memorized: Steve Martin, Bill Cosby, other things, and more and more as I went along. And I always wanted to do it. And I did it. Did it. I I emceed a stand up show at my community college back in the nineties and the nineteen hundreds, and um. This last uh, two weeks of the week, the Thursday, the week before Gallifrey, I did stand-up for the first time in over 21 years. How did it go? It went all right. I went to a, a, uh, to, there's a place called Red Balls Rock and Roll Pizza. It's out in Moore Park, and I I work in Moore Park, and it's right down the road from where I work, and they do an open mic night, and they have a lot of bands, and they do welcome people to do stand-up as well, and so I... Been, I've been working on my stand-up routine. I've had a plan for more than a year now to start going and doing open mics and started writing material and uh, put together a set and went and did it. And it was, you know, received moderately good response based on their own fact. There were like, you know, 20 people there or whatever. But, uh, you know, I guess some, when they didn't throw pizza at you, you went, didn't throw, I've got a job. I've got something here. I've got here. a career. There's something here. Um and uh, of course, Galley, I couldn't go because I was working Thursday night. But then this last week, I went on Thursday again, and there was even fewer people. But um, I'm going to try and get there earlier and sign up later in the list when the crowd is a little bigger. Um, but it seemed to go over well. I got some laughs, and um, I kind of bombed, kind of half bombed, kind of half good. But you know, bombing is all part of the process. I listen to a lot of uh, comedians talk about the biz and about their process, and I'm kind of embracing the things that they talk about and being trying to be very zen about it and mm-hmm. not get discouraged and just I'm doing it because I want to do it, and I, it's kind of this thing of this is something I've needed to do my whole life. And when you say zen about it, you are obviously referring to uh, the Blake Seven computer. Yes, of course, of course, yes, cool. um, yeah. What am I sure? um, uh, Avon, Avon. Um, yeah, Avon uh, uh, ridicules me constantly, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you're gonna make it. You're gonna make a Blake Seven reference, so am I. Um, <laughs> actually, there was this, there was this, Blake Seven. there was this girl at uh, at at uh, probably in her late teens, early twenties, 
who had a real short, short, short haircut with the with the crop with the uh, hair and the uh, just looked just like was it Jacqueline Pierce looked just like Servalan. And mm-hmm. I showed her a picture. I said, "You could do the best Servalan cosplay in the world. You uh, just look like her. Just throw on a, dr- a fancy dress and some red lips, and boom, you're Servalan. You'd be great." And uh, she, she, I, I sent her. She's like, "Oh, let me write that down." So, so yeah, it was great. She just had this great look about her. That was a great show, and I'll tell you that never. Uh, it, I you, you watch these shows from your childhood, yeah. and and you expect them to have aged and dated horribly. And, that uh, one didn't. It didn't really. I mean, obviously the the look and the sound sure. effects and all that, but sure. that's a given. But the acting and the writing were actually really fairly, it held up really really well. I remember yes. seeing when I was in college. Yes. Uh, and going, wow, this this isn't bad, mm-hmm. you know. Like this actually is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that they uh, they ended it when they did. They could have done a lot more with that show. Could have, yeah. And then the ending was kind of weird too, with the whole thing with Blake coming back at the end. Spoiler um, thing, yeah, with Blake being dead, but then he came back, and now he's working for the Federation. And uh, or was he? Or, who or knows? was he? Or it was who never knows? explained. It was never explained. There's a lot of those things, like the end of Deadwood. What happened? We just disappeared, you know? <laughs> somewhere there's... The, the, I hear the word cocksucker on the wind somewhere in the distance. Oh, I, I, I work with her on a project. Uh, she was the sweetest, sweetest girl. Jacqueline Pierce or... No, no Ro- oh. uh, Robin uh, Weigert. Oh, 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 who played uh, Calamity Jane? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was absolutely lovely, lovely yeah. girl. Yeah, looks very different from that character. That character, she's all very masculine looking, very butch looking, and very all all dirty and nasty and blah blah blah. There's that one episode where they kind of dress her up nice for something, but um, yeah, she in 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 everything else looks completely different. She really got I I but she was always one of my favorite characters on the show, and they all called her gutter mouth. Yeah, I like shows where like every other word that comes out of people's mouth is is fuck or whatever <laughs> I'm just but I'm like that I'm I don't know I'm I guess I'm not what you call mainstream but I, uh, I personally I have um, I have a lot of issues with people saying fuck and cunt really and shit and dick bag and <laughs> and you know asshole cockmaster cockmaster yeah yeah I, you'd never ever catch me saying any of those words never ever you know we were recording <laughs> I, I didn't say any of them <laughs> Such is the power of my mind. My my wife, real quick, real quick anecdote. My wife and I are are buying a our first place ever for, for first place for both of us. Congratulations! Thank you. We're in escrow, and um, and we were there uh, yesterday for the uh, uh, house inspection and for some contractor estimates for mm-hmm. some renovation. And yeah. as we were leaving, we see this little collective of, of kind of elderly people sitting in lawn chairs out in front of somebody else's place. And so we drive by and kind of wave, and they wave, and she kind of toddles out to the car, and, well, hello, you know, hi, we're buying number 68 over here. And she's like, they sold it? And I'm like, yeah, oh, thank God, thank Christ, that last people, a lady, she's, oh, I know she's owned, I've known her forever, and blah, 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 but I'm, I'm glad that she got rid of the boyfriend, because he was an asshole. And she says, oh, excuse my friend, excuse, pardon my language, she says, okay, we speak French, too. And she goes, oh, well, fuck good. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, and another great thing is, her name is Fern. She lives on one side of us. There's another old lady who lives on the other side of us. Her name is Fern. So now, like Zach Galifianakis, we are going to be between living two between ferns. two ferns. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, I think you were maybe going to say that they... Because, you know, when you buy a place, they've got to give you the disclosure oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, I thought yeah. they are going to go, oh, that place is haunted. No, no, I wouldn't care about that. But I've lived in a haunted place before. 
Me too. This place actually was was when I moved in. Um, I moved in at the time with uh, the woman who later became my ex-wife, um, which was my girlfriend at the time. And when when we were each home alone, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't happen when we were home alone together. Mm-hmm. Or, or separately would happen. Be in the back the go- of the house. Was it the ghost of Macaulay Culkin? Sorry. <laughs> it was in the back of the house. We would be in the. Uh, it would be in the back of the house for this to happen, mm-hmm. and we would hear somebody when we assumed it was the other person. Uh, we heard the front. Uh, the, a kitchen door opening, closing, and bags being put down on counters. And then you would wait for the other person to go, nothing, you'd go down into the kitchen and nobody was there. There were no bags and the door was still closed and locked, whatever. And um, it happened less than a handful of times when somebody said, you know, um, you should walk through the house and, and, and say that you live here now and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I felt like the biggest tit <laughs> and I did it and never heard any noises since hmm. and I've been here many a year now hmm. and uh, I feel quite safe and secure here but it definitely was weird thank you for the kisses little dog and then little dog um, feels safe and secure here too. but yeah it it, it, woo, it feel it, it, it all of that stopped like never never huh. had to deal with it ever again but I lived, prior to this I lived in an apartment in Hollywood and that was definitely like really haunted. Oh yeah, all kinds of weird shit would oh, happen yeah. there. Well, some of those buildings, those old apartment buildings that were built in the twenties. Well, this 30s. is the irony: was they'd rebuilt these uh, specific apartment buildings five or six years before I moved there, so mm. they were new. Oh yeah, they were on they old were built property. on an old, yeah. an old building. God knows, was. yeah, old building because it was the Miracle Mile district. Sure, so yeah, sure, it wasn't sure. like oh the, yeah, stuff goes up and down there. All yeah, the up, especially through the so because I remember 50s, one time like my parents came to visit. And I took the couch, and the, the bed would shake at night. Mm-hmm. And you'd wake up, and you'd be thinking, "Wait, was the bed shaking?" And it would just feel like it was just stopping mm-hmm. because like, you were awake. Was there an earthquake, or yeah. was it just? And um, I, so I'm, I'm sitting on the couch. I mean, I'm sleeping on the couch, and the next morning, my uh, my my father was like, "Your bed shakes," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, all right, you've you met the ghost too." <laughs> but we that we had um, there was a like a, I'd, I'd bought this chest of you know shitty cheap chest of drawers from IKEA. Sure. And the the drawer second to the bottom, the runner was broken. So it, if you pushed it in, it would just sit at a little angle. But it, that was it. Came home one night. It was a Friday night. Came home from work. And it had come out and turned over. Just the one drawer. So there's some force there. Yeah. Now, I just did a little test. And I was like, well, let's say I'd left it hanging out. Could it slide out on its own and tip over? No, well, it couldn't. No, but I, 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 the, the test was... Yeah, it would slide, and it, was, it, it would have just, like, fallen onto the ground, like, at an angle. This was pulled out and flipped over. Could ne- so, I go out for the night, after going, that's odd. Come home a little tipsy, because hmm. it was a Friday night after all, hmm. and it was out and over again. Hmm. So, put it back in, uh, go to bed. Sunday night, um, and it's a carpeted floor, too. Sunday night, I go to bed, and... I'm in bed, I don't know, 10 minutes in the pitch dark, and I hear this colossal bang. And I know this is probably the most unbelievable part of the story. I didn't do anything. I just rolled over and continued to try and get to sleep and fell asleep. Mm-hmm. In the morning, I woke up and saw what the bang was. The drawer had come out and overturned again. And it never did it again after that weekend. Weird. And other weird things, like p- paintings would be on the, f- on the ground, mm. uh, um, but the nails would still be in the wall. Huh. So you would have literally physically had to had lift, to lift it, up. it and moved it. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff happened all the time. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, it was pretty haunted. There were other things that happened too that were um, <laughs> fairly <laughs> like haunted. The last, the last place my ex-wife and I lived in Denver. It was a two thousand square foot. wasn't really a Denver square, but it was built in eighteen ninety six. So it was a hundred years old when we were living there. Mm-hmm. And it was across the street from a mortuary. Um, which didn't bother us at all. We were old school goth kids, so we didn't give a We thought it was cool. So, but the place had a creepy vibe to it. There would be a, a, a cold spot here and there, and the place was well insulated, very thick walls. You know, the double pane glass, and um, we'd be sitting watching TV, and some of the cats would just come bounding into the room, jump up onto the couch, and just stop and stare up at the corner of the ceiling. As if something was there. Mm-hmm. And just stare. And stare. And you, you do that thing with cats where they're, they're, they're intent on looking at something. And you try to pet them and they're like moving out of the way so they can still continue to stare. This is what happened. This is what happened downstairs in the living room. And it would happen upstairs in one particular bedroom in the hallway that we used as a... I had all my comic books in there or something. It was a futon. And they would do that in there as well. The master bedroom was actually a suite of two rooms because it was like a dress, a dressing room, like a woman's dressing room, in you know adjoining to the master bedroom. We were in the, and the, there was this kind of like sit-in bay window, kind of not really bay window, but it was like a little box window, and the bed was up, the head of the bed was up there, and we would lay in bed at night. There were no trees anywhere near the front of the house, like the porch, or we were our bedroom was right over the front porch. No trees around there. And every once in a while, we would hear this kind of like tap tap tap, like 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 the sound of a of a of a the end of a tree branch just kind of scraping, hmm. tapping or scraping against the window. And it was the we landlord. We would look outside. There was no wind. There's no nothing there. It was the landlord wanting his rent. <laughs> and uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't hear anything, or we wouldn't see anything. And we could look up in the, the, the street light from the mortuary and the parking lot behind the mortuary yeah. would shine up and then would create a you know, shadow up on the ceiling. Nothing. No, no movement. No anything. There wasn't a squirrel. There wasn't any. There was no movement. We wouldn't see anything. We would just hear it behind us. And we'd get up and turn tap, around. Tap, nothing. Tap, tap, tap. The really weirdest thing that would happen... I went. I was a nightclub DJ at the time, and so I would work late, and she wouldn't always come to the club with me. I would work till two in the morning, two two thirty in the morning. And one night when I was out, she was watching TV in the living room. Kitchen was, you know, back of the house, living room front of the house, sitting watching TV. And she hear we'd hear the cats make noise. You know, cats get into stuff up mm-hmm. on the counter or blah blah blah. And she hears this kind of rattling sound. It sounds like a, somebody taking. Like dishes, kind of clanking together, like 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 proper ceramic dishes clanking together, and uh, she's like, "That's weird." And she's like, "Kitty, stop it!" You know, and goes back to watching TV, and she hears it again. She had moved the. We had a port, a movable dishwasher with wheels on the bottom. It was a self-contained box mm-hmm. that you would then hook up to the sink and plug in and run the dishwasher. You turn the water on, and it would run the dishwasher. She had had it up by the sink and had run the dishes earlier in the night and was going to put them away. Actually, I think she did put them away. She put them up in the cabinets. And then she heard the clanking. And she goes in and looks. And the dishes are just stacked on the counter. The whole stack of dishes are stacked. Taken from neatly the, from the, from the, cabinet, the cabinets. Down, stacked neatly onto the cab- counter. Wow. 
What was her reaction to that? She took it in stride. She didn't freak out. She just said this kind of happened, and, and we always kind of felt that there was somebody there, and blah blah blah. And we're like, okay, whatever. We'll just cohabitate, and I'm not worried about it. And that was it. There was nothing ever and ever anything broken. One time, a squirrel got in the house. And that was probably the scariest moment of my life. Um, but uh, yeah, a squirrel kind of came through. That had like gotten in in the wall, but in the back of the house, and some of the plaster around this little room off the that led to the basement. There was oh. actually an old servant's door in the back that was cemented over that led to the ba- basement stairs and the servant's quarters down in the basement where the washer and dryer was. Um, but a squirrel, some of the plaster broke through and a squirrel got in through there and came in and was like, oh Jesus, and tried to chase it out. And <laughs> that, was a, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that but, sounds it. I hear them scurry across the roof all the time. Squirrels, so yeah. You just hear them playing and running. Yeah. The squirrel, I, I, I assume it's little squirrels and not mini demons. <laughs> yes. Squirrels have a, have a reputation for being little bastards and real. And some of them, a friend of mine lives in Pasadena and she has this, this ongoing battle with the squirrels all the time. And the squirrels will throw things at her. She will be walking from her house out to her drive, front door out to her driveway. And a squirrel any... will be up in the tree and all of a sudden something will come hurling past Wow, we don't have any violent squirrels. In Bur- Burbank has a shit ton of squirrels, crows, and wild parrots. Oh yeah, wild parrots, yeah. Because uh, yeah. I know they're, they're in Glendale and Glendale, as yeah. well, but we have them here. And um, I, I remember once outside the house there, were, there was two crows just literally right outside the house. They sat there for hours and realized they weren't going anywhere. So I started watching them through the window. And as I'm watching them, they're perched on these two, like, baskety things. Mm-hmm. One of them falls in and can't get out. So I go out, and the other crow won't go anywhere. You, normally birds will fly off. Right. He's staying right where he is. I take the baskety thing and turn it on its side so the crow can walk out. The crow does. They're there for two days. They don't move. They're, I mean, they can fly and stuff. Yeah. And then I'm thinking to myself, I've got two new friends. <laughs> and then the, uh, the the gardener came and did his thing, and I never saw them again. Wow. He didn't kill them. I think he just scared them off. Oh, okay. With his loud machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. Up in I live in Valencia, and we get we, get, we have is that where you got the house by the way? Yeah, yeah, it's right around the corner from where we're renting now. So cool! It's nice because our expenses are going to go down, and we get to own a place and decorate it. Um, it's nice. Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. And you can put things like dogs in there. <laughs> we've got cats, so we're cat oh, okay, people. But uh, we've got. Uh, it's weird. I, I I was married twenty years the first time, and we never got their our shit together enough to buy anything, buy a house, and and. So now that we're doing this, it's it's a very different different estate. It it just feels, you know, I feel so much more grown up now. Have you have you heard of buyer's remorse? <laughs> have you heard of it? I have. Well, I'm going to let you know on a secret. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it's something that's said to make people who live in apartments their whole lives feel somewhat better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, what I to deal with when it. I think of all the money that that my current wife and I and my ex wife and I Plied have shit away yeah. on rent. Yep. To somebody else, my yep. whole life, I could have had four houses by now, and yep. it just makes my blood boil. But I now, no more. No more. I hear you. I've had this house for a while, and I'm very, very happy. It's very nice. It. It's very, it's just... Well, I haven't shown you the back. It opens up in the back. It's, oh, it's, right. it's quite, it's, uh, it is very I like much this little room, though. Like a TARDIS. This is very, this looks, <laughs> it is this, way it's kind of like my Honda Fit, it's like a TARDIS. Um... It's, I like this front room, the little hearth and the and the table. This this table looks very sociable. I like this front room. Oh, thank it's you. It's very sociable. 
Thank you. I, I generally lure people in here and kill them on this table. Oh, good, good. Yeah, the, this uh, tablecloth covers up the blood nicely. It does, and Salford licks up. Oh, yeah, of course, of yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, she he's like, like she oh, will. Yeah. Gonna kill? Keeps her from eating you, so. Yeah, but, yeah, he, he's, he's quite full. You've got plenty of blood to deal with. You don't need any of mine. Yeah, he has enough. So, uh, uh, and is there anything, um, uh, we're already over an hour, can you believe it? Um, is there anything uh, other than Gen Z, is there any other projects you're working on, thinking of working on, or if, is there anything out now, uh, media-wise, that you are recommending people check out that, that maybe they hadn't otherwise? Or? I would say definitely always add my Twitter account, which is very simply at Hayden Black. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, everything's kind of geared towards Gen Z, you know, as it grows. Um, I don't know. Did I, have you seen the logo? I, I saw what I saw of it from the article that was uh, posted about oh, it. Oh, so it wasn't in that. I'll show okay, you something okay, that I'm very, very proud of. If you want to send me the logo, is it okay to show, to yeah, share? Of course. Okay, if you want to send of me course. that, I'll put it up in the in the blog post and, and uh, in the photos section. Yeah, I'm going to show you. I'll put, um, we'll put up links to everything as well. Cool. I'm going to show you the logo, and, uh, and then I'm going to tell you what we did and why I'm so proud of it. Okay. Any minute now when it opens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to edit this bit out. Oh, here we go. Here's the logo. Oh, there you go. That's nice. That's the logo. Do you see what we baked right into it? Mm. Don't feel bad if you don't. Most people haven't. Well, I am am definitely liking how the G is part of the cross for the Z, for the Z, for uh, kind of the British Z. Oh, equal. Boom. The equality right in the middle. That's awesome. Equal rights right in the center. That's awesome. I I was out, and I suddenly had this thought about taking the, these two things for the E and making that the equal rights sign. And I spoke to our animator, Alex. Bottom of one and well, I, wasn't, I didn't have it in front of me, so I didn't realize that the two were on top of one another. I wasn't thinking. Right. Um, so all I said to him was, was just take the bottom E and do something with the equal rights sign. And bless him, he had the whole thing in front of him, and that's what he did and made it yeah, perfect. really perfect. Perfect, yeah. Um, but it was something I was really proud that I had the idea of and that we managed to do it. We managed to make it real, and and it's in the center of it, like literally. You just right. go right Boom, to the, right center, the center, and there it is. Equality. And I feel I feel really good about that. That's good. Like, I think it it shows that we're going to be taken seriously. That we want to be taken seriously. It might That's be, great. you know, the show. I, I wanted to create a show. I wanted to create a comedy like the young ones. In that this isn't for your parents. Mm. This is not for you to watch with your parents. No. And your parents are going to get slightly peeved that you're watching it. Right. We're going to be a little bit punk, a little bit. Anarchy. A little subversive, yes, and uh, and so that was that was part of like what was behind it when I when I started to put it together, um, but also giving voice to a, a younger generation that really isn't even Gen Y that that, that is um, so unbelievably. Inf- I mean, the the, the the bottom end of Gen Y and, and what we're seeing and certainly coming out now, what we're seeing is is one of the most influential generations ever. And you think about it, sure. baby boomers, Gen X. Everything they've done has gone down, has trickled down through the ages. What Gen Y and now Gen Z are, are doing are creating technologies and, and apps and so on and so, so forth that all those older types are using as well. Are using. And attitudes and, and um, uh, uh, consciousness expansions well, I, that are trickling from the young into the older I people. Think, I want to say that the, the, the consciousness expanding and whatnot has always been there. Um, and you know, I think they're embracing it more. I think they're. Um, I don't think it's as as that's Salford. Come here. I don't think it's as alien a concept to to younger uh, kids no. than it was. When well, as I said you know, earlier, 
the teenagers don't care what race you are, or they just care if you're nice or not. If you're nice or an asshole. Yeah. You're either a nice guy or you're an asshole, and they don't care if you're, you know, black, white, Hispanic, whatever. So I, I wanted you know, to do something that talked to them, that gave them a voice, uh, that respected them, and um, and that that was funny, and also we can put some stuff in there that you know I, I believe Shona, our trans character, is going to be an actual a role model for a lot of trans kids out there who are going to see that. It does get better. Yeah. You yeah. know, I look, you know, I was, while I was writing this, uh, the, the terrible tragedy that was Leela Alcorn mm. happened. And as you know, she threw herself in front of a, of a truck or whatever. She committed suicide because her parents refused to accept yeah. any part of, of her struggle and what she was going through. Yeah. Even in her death, they wouldn't uh, even acknowledge her sex. They still kept calling her him. And I thought, that suicide that was tragic as it was uh, just so tragic that it was 90% of it probably was that was the parents but 10% of it was was her because in a suicide note she talked about um uh, if she didn't start hormones at 18 it would make an ugly woman so she's just resigned to the fact she's going to be an ugly man and the thing is that's not true but she didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And at seventeen, even even a even a, per, a trans person having misconceptions about transition. Well, she's. I mean, look, we we have to learn. It's it's not like it's baked into us. No. We, we don't know. There's no, no rule book that comes with no. with with being born. So it's 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 more about the fact that you're seventeen years old. It doesn't matter um, what gender you are. You're you know your hormones are flooding. Everything's black and white. You know, it's all everything's end of the world. Um, even though it's not, and so I believe that the, an element of that contributed to her suicide. Sure. Now I can't stop ignorant, idiot parents from bullying their children and being ignorant and stupid and all that goes with it. Not much I can do there, but what I can do is try and show trans kids that a it is going to be all right, and b here are ways of dealing with things mm. and the, and Shona's character is based on trans women that I know right um, it's not you know coming out of of, of, of just my fertile imagination it's sure. this is all based in real reality yeah. and uh, well I, the things that I heard from the snit from the from the the first episode that you played for me it's all grounded in truth it's not fantastical. It's not oh, here's this straight guy, white guy, and what he thinks about trans people. It's it's grounded in obviously this is this is a voice of this comes from a voice of experience. And you writing these characters, as I said, they each have individual voices. Those come through in in the in the script, in what they're saying, in their reactions, the acting as well. And this is written from a place of experience, and you can tell. I can tell. Well, thank you. I'm, 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 you know, if anyone ever like comes at it and says, "Who are you to write this?" Like you're, you've not got the experience I have, I would love more than anything for people with experience to tell their story. Sure. No one has come to me yeah. with a million dollars and said, "Here, tell the story." I just wrote it you and created it. it myself, it. and I'm doing it myself. This couldn't be more guerrilla. Sure. And and so. You know, my message to anybody else who wants to, you know, tell their own story is tell it. There should be nothing that gets in your way of telling your story. And and please, by all means, make your story even better and more compelling than mine. Yeah. I wanted. I I would love to hear your story and what you have to say, because it's it's germane to you. Yeah. And uh, and tying it back all into the doctor, we're all brilliant. 
and we should all you know be able to tell our story yeah yeah um so so just as i be, i can tell my story you know everybody else can tell their stories too and if we can help other people whilst we're doing it mm-hmm. i think that's an amazing thing that, that is an, that is an amazing thing and i applaud i applaud you for doing that it's we had no idea we were making history. I had no idea until I think we just before we recorded it, um, within a few days before we recorded it, I found out that there was no other animated series in the world to have uh, cast a transgender actress in a lead role. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't, we didn't go in looking to make history. No, no, we went you in just looking to tell a story. Out of an idea, and it just yeah. happens to do something. Yeah. So the fact that like we are that show. I, you know, we have a huge responsibility. I think that, yeah, and it's great. And, and from what I'm hearing so far, you're definitely living up to the responsibility and, and, and dealing with it well. And, and you know, because I know, like I said before, the goal is to get everybody on equal footing, just so it doesn't matter who you are, what where you come from, or whatever like that. You have Everybody has the same chance and the same freedom from discrimination, freedom from oppression, freedom from all yeah. that as everybody else. Yeah, we. I mean, at the end of the day, as humans, doesn't matter any other way of, of, of passing that just as humans we each have our shit to deal with on a daily yeah. basis so why yeah. do I need to put why do, why do I need to add your shit to my plate right. on a daily basis right. I don't right. I don't need to have your shit and yeah. you don't need to give me your right. shit and so that is one of the underlying messages of this is don't accept anybody else's shit right you know that is their crap and, and yeah. you don't need it you got enough right. dra- everyone has enough drama in their own life their own baggage need anybody their own else's. drama we don't need to have other you people's know. piled on to yeah, us yeah I mean I, I think when I was 30 my, my, the, my birthday present to myself the year I turned 30 just a few months ago <laughs> um, <laughs> the um, was, was the fact that if anybody was gonna if, if anybody was high drama in my life they were gone yeah because I didn't need them and what was interesting was was I didn't make it a high drama exit. It was just literally, I just stopped talking to just people. Faded away. Yeah. Faded away. And what was interesting was was they stopped calling because they only ever really wanted someone to join in their d- drama and listen to it and be a part of it. And there was there were no real friendships there at the end of the day anyway. Yeah. And so now, like you know, if anybody comes into my life and I see red flags, you know, drama, it's like goodbye. Yeah. Like, See, seriously, see, yeah. I do not need this. Yeah. Uh, you know, life is high drama enough. You don't need to invite more in. I agree. You know, so um, maybe, uh, maybe. What did we'll uh, what in. did Marvin the paranoid android say? Life's bad enough without wanting to invent more of it. <laughs> so, yes. Well said, well Marvin. Well said, Marvin. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So we'll see. So this. So like I say, this Gen Z will emerge. Hopefully around November um, and we'll see uh, like I said the original plan was to was to put something together for television and then the more I worked on it the more I thought why you know our audience isn't on television Mm-mm. and in fact increasingly our audience isn't buying televisions right they're quite happy watching stuff on, on their phone on their tablet on their computer exactly so why do I you know if the TV wants this they can come they, they know where to find you. They know where to find me if yeah. TV wants this. But I'm, yeah. I don't, you know, I think what we'll try and do is, you know, obviously we retain all the IP, so any merchandise, any anything, it's, you know, sure, it's uh, it belongs to Gen Z Inc. Right, which is the production company behind this. Fantastic. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm know. I'm eagerly eagerly awaiting this. I'm going to be following the your you know your Facebook and the Twitter and, and so yeah. So we, there's, if anyone wants to look us up on Twitter, it's Gen. Um, underscore Z Z E D, um, 
and uh, we do have a Facebook page, and, mm-hmm. and uh, which I think is Gen Z Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll just, as we have little bits and pieces, we'll put them out there. And in in whilst we do the run up to the launch of the show, we'll try and serve as a resource. Sure. Uh, so retweeting and reposting mm-hmm. other things of interest mm-hmm. uh, to w- you know what we think our audience will yeah. like. Great. Right. Yeah, I'll definitely be putting up links to everything on the on the the blog post and uh, uh, putting up um, uh, you know any photos you get you know put out here and there. I'll I'll stick some photos up in the in the blog and and, and updates as they follow as well. So sure, Thank happy you. to happy to do that for I you. Appreciate my audience, such as it is, but well, uh, I'll be happy to uh, happy to help. Well, out it's been I mentioned it at, at, uh, at um, Gallifrey, yeah, and um, someone found us the other day and like oh I've been googling you forever since you talked about it and I said Gen Z well then I started thinking because I'm English do people were people looking for Gen Z G-E-N-Z instead of G-E-N-Z-E-D yeah so I I realized oh good to know early on in our communications campaign that I need to I need to spell it out for people Yes, while yes. we while we start, while yeah, we Z, the letter Z or Z can be a bit meta. Well, and my my <laughs> character, uh, I play uh, Quillam, and um, and so he suggests they call themselves Gen Z. Mm, okay, so it makes sense that a Brit, yeah. is, uh, sure, is suggesting it, and we don't we don't know who Quillam is. Yeah, we 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 might never know who Quillam is. All right, but he's a voice he's a voice on their headsets who plays the 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 bugs game with them. <laughs> uh, and who knows? Maybe one day we'll, we'll bugs will become a real video game. But this right. is still such such early days, incredibly sure. early days. Yeah. I'm, oh. I'm I'm kind of feeling that way about about life right now. I'm starting all these other things that are very early days. The podcast, well, the stand up, and, and the house. The, and house, the house, house is a big it's thing. All early days. The house is a all great thing because I think you start to really put roots down. Sure, sure. I mean, because it's your castle. Yeah. Well, this point. this year, it's just I'm starting all these new things and doing these things I've always wanted to and. And uh, it's all just kind of coming together, and I don't know where it's going to go. And I, but I'm just going to, and that's the thing is, I don't know where it's going to go. And I, I'm sure I would love for it to become my career, or this or that. But I'm just going to do it anyway, whether it does or not. And, it, and it's just because it's, I have, to, it's what I have to do. I have to, I have Good to, you, I have it's not to create any other way. I have to create, and, and without doing it, it's never going to happen. So I, have, I, I go to a writers group, and you know, you just see basically people bringing in script after script after script. And not do anything with them, yeah. and you know some of these scripts are really good. Right, and um, they're more interested in. Well, now I've done the rewrite. I'm going to move on to another project. No, try doing something with one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Pass it around. Shop it around. Or maybe something. even shoot. So maybe even shoot a two minute trailer. Sure. Whatever it may be. Everybody. Everybody has a 4K. I mean, all the new phones that came out last year have 4K video capability to shoot on your phone. That's ultra, ultra, ultra high def. I mean, that's. Bigger than the biggest screen you can think of. I mean, it's huge. You can do it. I think they even make little. They even make little things that'll hold your phone vertically, or right. specifically for iPhones, that like a little handle thing yeah. that you can use an image stabilization to use it as a and lenses is, you can attach. There is attach. no excuse no. not to do your exactly. own exactly, and that's the message that I've really tried to take to heart and continue on. And this is this look, this Gen Z. This is all you know. This is all me picking up a ball and running with it. It's cool. not about. 
at the point, I mean, it's not at this point anyway, about people giving us money. That might happen. Yeah. But if that happens, it's only because I've already run with it. Because you've done it. X amount. Because you of, did it. You ha- you, nobody's yeah. going to just come and say, hey, I caught your your mind, your mind, thought of what you wanted yeah, to do exactly. on, the, yeah. on the ether somewhere, and I'm going to come and give you yeah, money to I'm, do it. I'm it's not like, just no, telepathic. Gotta, I'm rich. you got to start it. You, <laughs> that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to start it Yet. up somewhere. Well, Hayden, it's been a very, very much of a pleasure to talk to oh, you. I'm glad we met to it, too. Uh, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to more updates for Gen Z and, and uh, Me too. anything else you got going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Uh, as always, I'm at uh, Saint Michael on Twitter. That's S A Y N T M Y K L. You can find us online as Something Two XP. Please subscribe and review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google Plus. We're going to be working on our YouTube channel more and more as we go along. Check out our blog. Listen to past episodes on WordPress. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37 was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Cesari. You can find us everywhere online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.